Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. <coughs> oh, false start. Wow, I haven't done that in a while. Hello. Welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cubicalist, a person who has a podcast that doesn't edit that sort of thing out. So, that's what you're getting yourself into. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. I say that because there will be spoilers, and I am a goddamn truth-teller like nobody's business. Even Truth Tellers Incorporated? That's not a thing. What is a thing is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. I cannot say that with a straight face. This is an audio-only podcast. You will have to take my word that my face is not straight, but is in fact crooked when I say that, because the only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, because those are things that make podcasts grow. So... Grow them and show them, I always say. Or rather, that's the first time I've ever said that. I think uh, that is enough preamble. So uh, I'm going to push a button and that will get us started officially, thusly. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Canadian Anarchy Neutralization United Council, otherwise known as Canuck. Thank you for sponsoring this movie Mon- movie Monday. Ooh, a little blast from the past there. This movie monologue, rather, in which I have three movies, the first being Kingsman, colon, The Secret Service. I uh, came upon this one in a sort of interesting way, hadn't seen zero previews, knew nothing about it, uh, let alone its existence, uh, and then my uh, father-in-law recommended, well, not so much recommended, but we went over there to uh, make the attempt to watch this movie uh, on his request, so um, we did that. Uh, it didn't work at that time, for technical reasons that I don't need to go into, uh, but uh, I did eventually end up watching it by myself, and I am happy that I did so, because it was a very good movie. Why don't I uh, read the Imbida, just in case you don't know anything about it, like myself, uh, not too long ago. A spy organization recruits an unrefined but promising street kid into the agency's ultra-competitive training program, just as a global threat emerges from a twisted tech genius. It sounds like my bag of tea, and I can verify that it was, in fact, my bag of tea. 
the the global tech terrorist uh, came in the form of Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, who for some reason, and I don't know why, and it was fine and all, but it was kind of an odd choice, uh, had a lisp throughout the movie. <laughs> I don't know why he, he went that route, or if the, the makers of the movie decided to give the evil character a lisp, but it, it somehow suited the character. He uh, had a lisp, he didn't like the sight of blood, yet caused multiple deaths, some quite bloody, uh, which I think probably bring us to the next point of this movie, which this is a super, super violent movie, which uh, I was a little surprised about. Uh, you look at the cover, you read what I just read, you're kind of maybe thinking it's a little along the line of, of a James Bond film, uh, because it's got a young actor, maybe you'd even think it's a little toned down on the violence, but uh, no, that is not the case at all. This is like up there with uh, I don't think I will quite kill Bill levels of bloody violence, but it's a it's a respectable amount of blood and gore. Um, there's 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 multiple uh, multiple laughs throughout too, which uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know that uh, I appreciate uh, in an action movie, in a horror movie, definitely, needless to say, in a comedy movie, in a drama, in anything, when there's the odd laugh for the reason that a it's a laugh, and I am always on the search for laughs. But uh, even perhaps more importantly, uh, for the reason that I believe it adds a sort of a layer of believability, because uh, life quite often is humorous. So when you create a form of anything and have zero laughs throughout the entire thing you have created, I find it much less believable. So there you go. Uh, all of that said, I think rating-wise, I'm going to go a solid 4 out of 5. Uh, I don't know if I could... Yeah, I can't give it quite a 5 out of 5, but it was goddamn close to a 5 out of 5. Very much enjoyed it. Moving on to Movie the Second. Oh, uh, Movie the Second and uh, Movie the Third share two... Uh, share a theme, and that's an unplanned theme. Uh, I say unplanned in the sense that I watched both these movies having no idea that they would share this theme. Uh, that is the theme of uh, comedians, comedic actors, people who you normally find in the roles of comedy being very, very serious. Uh, so in this first movie called True Story, we find uh, James Franco and Jonah Hill to... Uh, I guess maybe less when it comes to James Franco, but definitely more when it comes to Jonah Hill. In uh, comedic roles here, although there is those tinges of comedy that I do so enjoy, it is for the most part a very, very serious movie. Uh, seemingly, at least from what I gather, based on a true story. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I kind of just did the math based on a true story. The movie's called True Story. I'm an idiot. Uh, okay, so the IMDA for this one is when disgraced New York Times reporter Michael Finkel meets uh, accused killer Christian Longo, who has taken on Finkel's who has taken on Finkel's identity, his investigation morphs into a game of cat and mouse. So uh, basically, James Franco is accused of killing his family. Um, uh, Jonah Hill is interviewing him, and it's the movie's about their interactions, which, uh, in the, at the end of the movie, without giving anything away, 
they do say that they're still in touch to this day. That's why I'm assuming this is a true story, because they probably wouldn't have put that. So, uh, rating-wise, this is kind of a tough one. Uh, It didn't knock my socks off. This kind of story often doesn't, um, so maybe that's why. Uh, uh, Joan Hill and James Franco did very respectable jobs and and I think that says something that I'm so used to seeing them in comedic roles uh, and yet totally bought them in this very 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 yeah very sure whatever uh, this serious movie so uh, I'll go three or less hmm. three as you know I use for enjoyed while watching but wouldn't watch again and uh, my enjoyment level was there, but it wasn't high. So, let's move on. As you already heard, we're out of time, because I cannot friggin' fit talking about movies into five minutes. One day I will. One day. One day, maybe I'll just watch one movie. And uh, we'll play it safe that way. Uh, okay, so movie the third of three is called Cheap Thrills. Uh, this stars uh, a couple of dudes, along with... Oh, what the hell is his name again? I can't believe I'm... Uh, David Koechner. David Koechner. So David Koechner, in this case, is the uh, comedic dude who is very, very serious in a horrifying kind of way. Uh, here's the M for this one. Yeah. A scheming couple put a struggling family man and his old friend through a series of increasingly twisted dares over the course of an evening at a local bar. Well, it doesn't actually... That's not a good imbedu, because it starts at a local bar, but ends in the people's apartment, and that's where most of the action takes place. So, it's got kind of a Saw vibe to it, a little bit, in the sense that David Koechner is the the guy... the What's the guy's name from Saw? I forget. The Saw puppet thing. Yeah, that, that would be David Koechner, which is funny. It's a funny picture. Uh, and he's getting these two guys to sort of compete for money uh to to do bets for money for let me just throw one example that won't really spoil anything uh he bets uh, uh whoever cuts off their pinky finger first gets uh, so much money and then it you know it escalates from that point onwards that, that sort of thing that's that's kind of where the movie turned from uh from weird to fucked up yeah from weird to fucked up that's potentially oh Folks, every once in a while, and it is in a great long while that it happens, I will say something out loud on a podcast and know just about immediately that I want that something to be the title of the episode. So in this case, the title of the episode is going to be from, and you can hear me typing this so you know I'm not lying, Weird to Fucked Up. I will probably have an asterisk in that fucked up. Just for the reason that, uh, you know, I don't think some searchy things like the word fucked. But it's a great word. It's a great word. Cheap Thrills gets 5 out of 5. I really enjoyed it. And, potentially, a surprise in it. Today's Television Talk sponsor is the MIT course, The Science of Star Trek. Thank you to that for sponsoring this Television Talk, in which we're going to talk of Star Talk. A lot of talking in this. 
Uh, yes, Star Talk. If you are unfamiliar with Star Talk, uh, it is a show that started uh, as a podcast and I do believe radio show. Although I'm not 100% sure. No. Definitely a podcast. Definitely a podcast that I know because it is, a, it is a podcast that I have listened to on numerous occasions. And I do believe if you go far enough back uh, in this podcast, you will have heard me talk of Neil deGrasse and uh, Star Talk in particular. Uh, that took the form of Neil deGrasse uh, sitting with usually someone funny. Uh, and then the two of them talking with um, a scientific person. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, it seems that uh, that idea was so popular uh, that uh, they turned it into a television show on the National Geographic channel. Uh, this is a. S I listen to Star Talk a lot. And uh, thought that it would have made a good television show, uh, especially after the uh, success of Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos, which I know I talked about on this podcast, and I am nine. No, I was going to say I'm a hundred percent sure that I gave a five out of five to. So uh, this sort of uh, makes sense and, and clicks. Uh, one thing I I only watched the first two episodes so far. Uh, I plan to go on. That that is my plan. Uh, the first two episodes starred, uh, episode one, George Takei, or Takai, if you prefer the correct way. Uh, and the second episode, uh, featured Christopher Nolan as a sort of main guest. That being said, uh, uh, Neil deGrasse had scientists on as well to discuss scientific things. The first episode dealt a lot with the science of Star Trek, which, uh, is a whole thing. Like, there's, there's people who write books about... The, the, the sciences around Star Trek. And I think that's one of the reasons I like Star Trek so much more than Star Wars. Um, because they seemingly, most of the time, uh, and because there's so much literature to back this up, they seemingly, most of the time, try to get as far as we are currently able to scientifically describe some of the technology they have. There might be uh, the odd little bit, like a warp bubble, that uh, although they can explain it well with science, it's not something that can yet be proven. So, uh, whereas with uh, Star Wars, it's just like oh, you have a you have a light ship and it, and it goes faster than light and stuff, but there's a, it never really delves into the science per se. It just kind of uh, it feels more like the realm of magic than it does to science fiction. Uh, and, and I think the term for that is hard science fiction, as in it's 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 harder science as opposed to sort of uh, light and fluffy magical science of Star Wars. Uh, so that was episode one. Uh, episode two spoke with Christopher Nolan, uh, got a fair bit into... Um, oh, God the hell is that movie <laughs> I just watched it not too long ago looking at Christopher Nolan's thing here uh, not Memento Dark Knight I should probably edit this part out where I'm thinking of Interstellar Jesus that was embarrassing uh, yeah and how um, uh, they spoke a little bit here about how Neil deGrasse got in trouble with the movie Gravity 
from uh, fans of the movie Gravity or science fiction fans in general, how he pointed out some of the, the unscientific things that he noticed in the movie. And uh, that surprised me when that happened. I, I guess there's that whole idea of it's just a movie, it doesn't have to be 100% accurate scientifically 100% of the time, and people seemingly got very upset about that. Uh, he, he apologized many times, including in this interview. Uh, there was an entire large uh, Wired magazine article about uh, Interstellar and how close how close they tried to be, scientifically speaking. And if you've seen that movie, uh, it's pretty mind-blowing that they they did that at all. So uh, kudos to them. And I think it makes for a better story. Like, uh, y- you could take 100% jump from science, but I think if you try to keep close to it, uh, at least for me, it makes it more believable. So uh, Star Trek, the television show, uh, i got to be honest, didn't knock my socks off. Uh, it was kind of felt like it was trying too hard and was actually, and I'm surprised I'm saying this, it seems like it was a little dumbed down. Um, Like if you listen to Neil deGrasse on the podcast and you listen to him on the television show, uh, it feels like he's playing to a broader audience, which I suppose you kind of have to, which is one of the beauties, the beautificities of the podcast is... Uh, you can aim at a much narrower audience and they will come to you whereas with a television show you gotta kind of shoot a much larger swath and hope that people come to you so I don't know uh, give it like a 3 out of 5 yeah rating wise with potential for more higher stuffs oh boy Today's book banter sponsor is the Twitter joke filter, which of course filters Twitter to get rid of everything with the exception of jokes. Hmm, I like the sounds of that. Okay, uh, so this book banter, not exactly heavy in the books department in the sense that we're not going to be talking about books. Uh, I thought I'd try something a little different, a little experiment. The only reason I think it sort of fits into this segment is because it is words that I have written. So uh, I've occasionally brought back stories. Um, What I'm bringing back this time is uh, short stories in the sense that they are so short they're 140 characters or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've sort of moved my energy more from writing short stories over to writing short jokes just because I find it fits more into my schedule. Uh, I I assume I'll I'll occasionally get back to the writing of longer form things and maybe I'll bring those back on book banters as I used to. But I think uh, the potential for me to uh, talk of, aka read, some of my hopefully hilarious tweets here in this segment when I have a week that I haven't finished a book. Uh, I got about 30 pages left in the book I'm finishing, uh, so I'll definitely have that next week, but I hadn't finished a book between last week and this, so that's what we're going to read. Some tweets! Hey, how about that? 
Follow me on Twitter, by the way. I am Jordan underscore Maywood, and you, like those following me, can seemingly, occasionally, from time to time, enjoy some of these tweets. Uh, I should say that uh, I watch the show at midnight, which you may know if you've listened to many of these episodes. So some of these, like these first few, are going to be um, for the uh, sh- the segment of the show where they um, uh, read tweets. What the hell is it called? Twitter wars. Tweet wars. Hashtag wars. Hashtag wars. Can't believe I forgot that. So, so for example, these first few are uh, hashtag... Ruin a Western, as in a Western movie. Uh, so I've got a couple here. I've got uh, Blazing Assholes, Ruin a Western movie. Uh, Django Chained, For a Few Doll Hairs More. Uh, the In-Law, Josie Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Fisting of Dolores. That one's a Fistful of Dollars, Fisting of Dolores. Uh-huh, you get it. The Good, the Bad, and the Fugly. Uh, and Forgiven. Hmm, I see. Okay, uh, something I've sort of been getting into lately is uh, something called Just Tweets. So uh, it's sort of a hashtag I created, which is hashtag Just Tweets. So uh, normally I'll put that at the end, so if you ever search that, you can sort of see a collection of quite a few of these. Got to be into the hundreds by now. Uh, so, uh, the only thing that gets me through the day is the fourth dimension. Hashtag just tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slimer from Ghostbusters was the original Phantom Menace, as far as I'm concerned. Hashtag just tweets. Um, when teenagers become sexually active, they really have to be aware of HIV, which is, of course, uh, hug induced boners. Uh, the third concave... Oh, this this one's a bit of a, a thinker, <laughs> which some of these are. And the, I'm surprised I haven't come across one of these yet. Oh, well, this one might be. Uh, some of these you have to read uh, rather than have read to you to make sense because they're word play. Uh, the third concave receptacle of ground oats was simply correct, which is, of course, a line from A-U-E-E. L-O-C-K-S. Goldilocks. Huh? Gotta think about that one. Uh, A-U is the chemical symbol for gold, of course. Oh, boy. Uh, perhaps on that note, is a good time to mention that these are sort of... Uh, I, I guess inspired is probably the good word. By uh, a man by the name of Harris Whittles, who uh, had something called Foam Corner, Phone Quarter, where he would go on Twitter and um, would essentially burn jokes. Uh, burn in the sense that if they were good, you know, that's fine. It's all well and good. If they were bad, Twitter was his sort of uh, receptacle, let's call it, for the testing out of short little jokes like this. Uh, some of them were good, some of them were bad. They were all there. And even the bad ones, at least for me, could get a laugh. So this is kind of on that uh, line it, it is my thought of the, of the just tweets. Uh, the timer's up. Let me get a few more in just because. Uh, is it a wrong to assume that red giants would not be jolly? Hmm, think about it. Uh, if I was a tobacconist and was not open, I would have a sign that said "close but no cigar." Hmm. Now is that funny or is this should the sign read "closed but no cigar"? I don't know. 
we have the Olympics and the Special Olympics, and I cannot goddamn wait for the Cyborg Olympics. See? Not always funny. Oh, boy. Uh, my DJ name would be DJ Just Disc Jockey or potentially MC Master of Ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never met a Jewish person I did not like. I guess that makes me uh, Semitic. Uh, da, 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 let me find one actually funny one uh, before we wrap this up and move on to Game Cabin. Uh, is the phrase, it was a different time, used to explain things other than racism or homophobia? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here's here's the one we'll end it on. Not that it's a, a, a doozy, but it's short. <laughs> In a one-man band, every part of the song is a solo. Today's game, Gavin sponsor, is The Legend of Zelda Oboe of Time. Thank you, sponsor. Have two, well, one and change, let's say, games to talk about today. The first is titled Oceanhorn, colon. <laughs> Ignore that sound. Oceanhorn, colon. Monster of Uncharted Seas. Ooh. Uh, somewhere along my life, I had heard of this game. I can't remember where, and the details are sparse. Uh, but it was on Steam, and it was for dirt cheap. So, I decided to pick it up. And I'm glad I did. Uh, I think first and foremost, anyone who has played this is going to make one obvious, obvious comment. And is a comment I'm going to make too, so, server being obvious... This game is definitely no questions asked, and I, I can't imagine even the creators of the game would debate this question, this this comment, and that is this is a very very blatant uh, Zelda ripoff. Uh, ripoff? Maybe that's too strong or mean a word. Maybe uh, it's a Zelda. It's sort of an homage to the Zelda series. Maybe you could look at it that way, and I think that's the way I'm going to choose to look at it, just for the reason that it was a fun game and uh, a good game, and it had some heart, so, um, I, I don't think, potentially, potentially, that the, the, the so, uh, so incredibly, um, like, just a freakish amount of obvious things stolen, mm, borrowed, sure, uh, from the Zelda franchise, uh, I don't think it's necessarily spitefully done. Yeah? Do, does that make sense? Or is the potential that uh, you know, you guys are jerks for stealing all this shit and making your own game. Uh, I suppose you could look at, uh, at both sides of it. Um, that being said, all of that being said, uh, I think uh, probably it's also safe to say that this is the best Zelda uh, clone, Zelda ripoff, whatever you want to call it, that has ever existed. Maybe. Yeah, I think you could go so far as to say that. 
Uh, it's close to a combination of uh, Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time, with a little Wind uh, Waker sort of mixed in, just for the reason that you're in a boat and you're traveling from island to island. Uh, you've got bombs, you've got uh, bow and arrow, you've got uh, special boots, you've got... Uh, uh, you don't have rock people, Gorons, but you do have owl people. Uh, you do have the Zoron, Zorons? Zoros? Anyways, the water people who uh, look almost identical and even had a sort of, at one moment, a frozen king sitting on a throne. And when I saw that, I think that was, to me, the most obvious uh, out of anything. It, it, another sort of hit against this, you could potentially say it's a lot like Zelda, but it's kind of like Zelda Light. Like, it doesn't go quite as heavy. Like, you don't get all the all the little tidbits that you would get in a Zelda game. Um, basically, uh, bombs, arrows, and your sword are the only thing you get throughout the game. Whereas, if you played a Zelda game, there's going to be a lot of different things that uh, you experience throughout. Um, puzzles are fine. Uh, combat's fine. Everything is sort of fine. Uh, that being said, rating-wise, I think I'd go... 3 and change. Yeah, uh, so three, enjoyed while playing, but wouldn't play again. Uh, I, I, I don't think I would revisit unless they made more levels. Um, uh, that being said, this is sort of along that theme of this being Zelda Lite. It's not as long as a Zelda game. It's almost like the first part of a Zelda game before you move on to the, the, the main part. It's not quite that, but that's kind of the feel of it. Uh, so that is the rating. Uh, if you like Zelda, uh, and you can get this cheap on Steam, it's going to consume your time and be worth the bang for your buck. Recommend it in general. God damn it, I'm not doing good with this time. Okay, uh, game the second is called Quake. Mm. Decided, similar to Oceanhorn, uh, saw, saw this on Steam, and I think it was like a dollar. It was like it was it was on sale for a dollar or three dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. I uh, had to get it for the reason that back in high school, when this came up, uh, came out. Uh, okay, it came out in 1996. So I was in grade. I think I graduated. In, I, I I always get this wrong. I either graduated in '99. Or 2000, uh, and I can't remember. Anyway, so uh, right in the sort of perfect time where uh, I was going to friends' houses at lunch who lived by the school, uh, we would go, we would allegedly smoke uh, pot, uh, marijuana, you might call it, and play video games. So uh, this was among those games, and I used to remember, you know, how long do you have for lunch when you're at school? Like 40 minutes, somewhere in that neighborhood? And... Uh, by the time I got really good at this game, being able to run through the whole game in a lunch period, just sort of flying through it like a maniac. Uh, so it was probably my first, yeah, I think this is probably safe to say, my first experience of ever uh, speed running any any game was with Quake. I used to love this game so much. Uh, so the nostalgia factor was high when I started playing this. The gameplay, uh, you know, we've moved on a little bit, so potentially take some marks off for that. But uh, if you've never played Quake, and you like retro-style gaming, it's still good. If you don't like retro-style gaming, and you need everything to look, you know, good, <laughs> you might not like this game so much. 
for nostalgia reasons, you know, I'd go four or five. Uh, for playing this game and having non-nostalgia fun, maybe a little, uh, a little lower. Convoluted rating, as I am so good at giving. Internet's Intercourse sponsor is, from Hallmark, comes the final episode of your podcast sympathy card. Thank you, the good people over at Hallmark. Okay, I uh, have two endings of things. Oh, sadness. So, a bit of a theme this 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 um, week of ending of things, as well as, what was the other theme? Uh, was that it? Anyways... I don't know what I'm talking about, but we're almost done. Uh, the first one is Professor Blastoff, the podcast, which uh, I'm a somewhat new subscriber to, like uh, only within the last couple of months. So <laughs> I, I kind of sad that it's ending in one sense, uh, probably less so than for people who've been there since the beginning, because I know this is one of those podcasts that have been along for a long, long time. So uh, to see it end... Is, uh, is sad. Something that has generated laughs in me and seemingly in others longer uh, is a sad thing. No, it's, it's not sad for the reason that they're ending because it's not a popular podcast. The reason they're ending is because uh, the people on the podcast, uh, Tig, Kyle, and David, are moving on to bigger and potentially better things. Uh, Tig Nataro... I keep meaning to, and maybe I'll do it in next Movie Monday, watch her uh, documentary that's available on Netflix. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, it was kind of a weird final episode of a podcast. They, I guess they hit all your, your check marks. Like they talked about uh, why they decided to end the podcast, what they're all doing next. Um, th- talked about uh, past favorite moments. Uh, yeah, they they really did hit all the sort of check marks of things you'd want to hear in a final episode of the podcast that you're listening to. Um, I don't know uh, if you're a fan of that podcast uh, and are somehow, some way, listening to this. Uh, I'd love to hear from you to uh, to know what you thought of it and did they do? Uh, I think they did a, a, a adequate but not amazing job of their final episode. Uh, yeah, that's just more my opinion, and maybe I am dead wrong. Maybe it was the best ending of a podcast ever. I can't really think of a time where I've watched, or rather listened to, the last episode of a podcast. So, that being said, since I think this is the first one, it was the best one I ever heard. Yeah. Uh, okay, another ending. Uh, and this is the leaving of uh, Mr. Kevin Van Ord from GameSpot. Uh, this one hit me a little harder just for the reason that Kevin Van Ord has worked for GameSpot for a shit ton of years. Uh, I have been a GameSpot member since, God, like, since the internet. (laughs) You know what? Uh, I should look. I I don't know if I'd be able to find, like, if I log into my GameSpot account, if it would tell me when I joined. But it's, it had to be in the, in the early 2000s, I would have to assume. 
Uh, it was one probably one of the first uh, websites that I had an email address and joined, if, if I had to guess. Uh, it's a great site if you ever want to... Uh, I was going to say, if you ever want to know if you should buy a video game, and you can use it for that, and it's fairly hit and very rarely miss. Uh, but it's just a great video game resource in general. Uh, Kevin Van Ord, uh, the reason that uh, I'm sort of doubly sad of uh, him leaving, kind of has to do go hand-in-hand hand with that whole Quake thing, and that is that he is one of the, if not the, very first voice of GameSpot that I ever heard. His reviews, uh, whether they were his or he was reading other people's reviews, uh, have been with me for so, so very long. To, so to have him uh, no longer be, be doing uh, video game reviews and moving on to... Uh, well, it's, it's strange. What he's moving on to doesn't seem like it's better. Maybe it pays more. But uh, he's moving on to be a editor uh, of English... English editor at Tryon Worlds. So... That, or uh, one of the best, if not the best, probably the best video game reviewer that is on the internet. <laughs> just period? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's just the way he could craft a review is just an incredible piece of, of art. So to have him leave that for English editor at Tryon World seems to me like a step down, but seemingly he's happy about it. I don't know. Uh, he will be missed, and... Um, that is all to say about that. Folks, I had one more thing to talk about, but I ran out of time, so we'll only have to say that it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things, and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper